Welcome to episode two of the Bengals UK podcast. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons and along for the ride this week is resident voice of reason Nathan Palmer. Sorry, I'm not supposed to be laughing at that. Uh, and, and joining us from the wilds of Kent is Michael Smith. And later in the episode, we have a special guest. Good evening, one and all. Hello, Nathan. How you doing, Paul? Can I just say, I thought it's funny you've put in that reference of the Kleenex tissues. No, don't go there. <laughs> no, I'm not going there. Don't go that dirty route now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say that I ended this not podcast. This early, I ended this podcast last week saying the Bengals, the sort of team that'll get you hard but won't get you off. And Paul has brought it 360 with a Kleenex in the first line of this podcast. <laughs> well, if they if they get as hard and not bring us off, then we don't need the Kleenex, right? So well, that's, that's good point. Good actually, point. Actually, that ties in very well with what happened last night, I think. Right, but anyway, Mike, how are you doing down there in Kent? All right. I'm fine, mate. I'm fine. The wilds of Kent are um, wild as ever, but I'm absolutely fine. Good. It's, gr- it's great to have you on tonight. Uh, now, as you can probably guess, the main topic of conversation, and we will get to it in this episode, uh, but we have a little bit of housekeeping to clear at first. Um, so we, before we get to all the teeth gnashing, the wringing of hands and the wailing into the abyss, let's talk about the name of this podcast. Last week, we opened it up to the fans and uh, we had some actually really good suggestions. Um, Oliver Ullman suggested Tiger Talk. See, I said that last week and you poo I'm not me. feeling Tiger Talk at all. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, sorry, Oliver. Um, uh, Paddy Flint proffered forth the jungle drum. It sounds more like a marching band, though, doesn't it? That is very true. Um, Sean Kelly like said... House or house music or something like that. Well, yeah, exactly. It sounds like some sort of drum and bass album compilation <laughs> from the 1990s, doesn't it? Um, Sean Kelly said Brits talking Bengals does what it says on the tin. Yeah, I that's guess. not bad. That's my favourite so far. Um, our friends in Cincinnati and members of the Bomb Squad, Jeremy and Jess, suggested actually some really good ones. Bengals and Mash, which I quite liked. Yeah, not none. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five out of ten. The B, the B, Bengals, Brits, and banter, and the Bengals bollocks. Which, uh, seeing as we've got Nathan in the room, that's quite apt, I would imagine. Uh, Our very own Tom McDowell suggested we stick to Who Day UK. Why? Why? That's actually a good shout. I've got to give credit to Tom for that. That's a good shout. Uh, Chris Keys said, "Benga Bing." Chris, you got to go home after that, mate. Bang a bing, what the fuck? Oh, bang a fucking bang. Um, uh, and our very own Mike Smith on the other line suggested you don't live in Cleveland, which I thought as a rallying call was fantastic. But um, Not bad. It's great. I'm glad how many people have um, given those suggestions. There's some good ones in there, a lot of them as well. I'm impressed by that. So, absolutely. Uh, thanks for all your suggestions and indeed all your feedback. Uh, it's nice to know a lot of you seemed to like the first episode. Um, but we have had a chat within the group, and it feels like Eurovision or something like that. Um, but <laughs> Ten we, points yeah. to Michael Smith. Yeah. <laughs> now we go live to Brussels. Brussels, what are you saying? Um, but yeah, we the have... Americans don't get that. Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, they're just... Google's around, you know what I mean? Wikipedia's on. Um, yeah, so we do have a winner, and it is... I we need like a drum roll. Someone get a drum roll. 
Okay, that's the worst drum roll in, in existence. But um, it's Ben Wintle from Sittingbourne in Kent, down near you, Mike, I believe, who suggested very cle- yeah, very cleverly, I think, Cincy Natter. Yeah, I love Cincy Natter. Absolutely love it. It's quite clever, isn't it? It's isn't clever, it? it's sharp, it's snappy, and that's exactly what Paul and I bring to the table. So <laughs> I'm more than happy to be on board with that. Yeah, well, yeah. Um <laughs> So, yeah, thanks for getting in touch, Ben, and, and nice one for the excellent suggestion. Thanks to everyone who's got in touch, seriously, from all over the shop with their feedback. Um, we've got WC Bearcat, who got in touch to say that he was listening from New Mexico. Wow. Uh, and he loved it. Cheers, mate. And, uh, well, that's about it, really. And um, <laughs> um, So, thanks a lot. So, from this, I'm very pleased to say... From this moment onwards, we will be known as Cincinnati. Until we get fed up next week and decide to change it to something else. So don't rest on your laurels. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, so that's the lightness and the positivity and the the good feeling out of the way. I feel as though we ought to plunge into the darkness now. It's not even 24 hours since the Bengals lost 23-20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and again, it was a game of two halves. Um, but let's again, let's, I'm, I'm all about starting off on the positive note. Um, what was good about last night? Nathan, you start things off. You're a positive. Person. You know what? Is it, I, you know, I want to really go straight into the negatives, if I'm honest. But I'll start with the positives. Andy Dalton impressed me. He made some gutsy throws under pressure. Some of them on another day could have been picked off, but he, he was. I felt like he was accurate. He was sharp. Um, I mean, the run game looked just like something I haven't seen in years. And I mean, you know, I was talking last week about Joe Mixon and how I wasn't that impressed with his running style. He goes out the game, and Giovanni Bernard, he was not only was he he looked much quicker than Mixon, but he he didn't go down as easy, and he's smaller than Mixon. You know, he was getting five, six, eight. He was running hard. He was staying up after the first contact. I was extremely impressed by that and the offensive line. I thought they played really, really well. Um, I just feel that, you know, we'll get on to what went wrong, but I just feel like we got ahead and we tried to protect the lead rather than kill him off. But we'll get to that. Mike, how about you? How, what, what, what the good, I know you're itching to talk about how much uh, the Steelers were dirt bags and scum holes and all the rest of it. But what scum holes? I don't know. I'm just making up as I go along, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, Mike, what? Tell us what you liked about last night. Uh, just to reiterate what Nathan said, uh, I did. I enjoyed watching uh, Andy Dalton play play last night. I actually. Um, quite enjoyed some of the play calling that Bill Lazor came up with and there has been a fair amount of and even justified criticism of Bill in the last couple of weeks. Um, I also really enjoyed watching uh, when the changes were made, William Jackson III. I think he's been an absolute uh, revelation this season. Um, you know, I'm going into next season. I, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him be- become, you know, one of the, the full-time starters. Um, again, Mixon, I thought, got played well until he had to go out, and then you know Bernard came in, and the running game has, you know, the running game has improved as, as the season's gone on. So, yeah, they were my positives of last night. Yeah, I think you're right. Dalton had a terrific game. His precision and his timing and execution was, I mean, this was back to Green Bay, first half of Green Bay. And his anticipation as well. And there's some lovely... We talked about the... You know, a lot of people talk about the lack of separation by the wide receivers and getting open this year. 
but you know they were finding some really lovely soft spots in the zones and they were just running some really lovely routes and Dalton was finding them you know with real great timing and you kind of thought where has this team been or well offense certainly where has this team been all season I'll tell you what as well on that when we were I think it was three nil up and it's third and goal from about the nine I'm thinking you know it's gonna be one of those games where we sort of chip away and we, we you feel goals when you need touchdowns both times third down you smash in two touchdowns you're 17 nil up I was on my sofa with a blanket around me in the you know, the complete darkness going absolutely bonkers. Oh, a little cuddle blanket. Literally going absolutely bonkers. Yeah. No, I, I thought I, I, that was the best half of football. Well, it was the best 28 minutes or 29 and a half minutes that I've seen of us. And then you just slip. You just give them that field goal. And I think that was the difference. If you cut them off and you go into half time, 17 nil up, Shut them out. You're getting the ball after the half. It's a different game. You give them, you give them that momentum. You gave them something to build off going into the second half, and we never recovered. And we we seem to not be able to play situational football. Whether we've got like two minutes left on the clock, and we're on offense, and it's kind of like oh, you know, they just don't look as though they know what they're doing, mm. uh, and then. Or whether it's defense as well. I mean, how can the Steelers get down there? You know, obviously the penalty and all the rest of it, and the penalties. Oh my goodness, me! How, I mean, there's 13, I think, for 173 last night. I don't understand how. Like, was there one that like was a massive penalty that? I think it was just in the cumulative. There's a couple of longish pass interference calls. It felt like there was a lot, but it didn't feel like there was 173 yards worth. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, you know, that's what happens when you're watching games at four in the morning. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so we established that the running game was great. Mixon looked tremendous. What were you talking about? Mixon looked tremendous. I looked great. He looked bang average and he got injured. Really? Giovanni Bernard, oh, Bernard killed it out there. See, I'm... He killed it out there. We need to get some stats up here so we can have this argument. Giovanni Bernard looked like a man possessed running out there. Yeah, he did. He I've did. never seen a man <clears throat> for the Bengals run with that sort of venom and vigour for a long time. Mixon looked all right. Yeah, I thought. He I looked mean, all right. I thought he was great. Just the way <clears throat> he cut and, and ran through the hole. Talk about Gio. No, no, no. Um, Mixon. Nah, see, see, I thought he was good. Really good. And then Gio, as you say, Gio came in and had a fantastic game. The thing I really like about Gio as well, his blitz pickups, his blocking on um, on the on the blitz pickups, they were really, really great. And obviously he got called for a holding call, which was just about the most bullshit call I've ever seen, ever. Um so there was lots to like, and you know we're obviously a much better offense in shotgun as well, and we were playing a lot more shotgun last night, and everybody seemed to be doing their jobs. I think you know. So, um, Mike, what else did you like last night? Anything more you'd like to add to the positives before we get into the negatives? Um, I'm just looking at AJ Green's stats. Um, seven. Uh, 77 yards off um, seven receptions for two touchdowns. His, his second touchdown, though, just the way he um, managed to curl back and spin towards the end zone, I just thought was was, was utter class by him. The yeah. man who's got the experience, man who's just just he's a level above everything um, on this offense. And you know, it's getting to the point now where I look at AJ Green. He's one of the veterans and the leaders of this team. And I just think you know it's such a shame that the guys never won a playoff game and. Look at it last night. I, 
and I just think, yeah, you know, he, he is class, and it's it's just a shame that you know we're not going to. It doesn't look like we're going to do much this season. But I thought he, I, I was really impressed with him last night. Mike, who would you rather? Just purely from a talent point on your team, just nothing else but talent. I'd always pick you, Nathan Overfall. <laughs> we've, we've discussed this. AJ Green or Antonio Brown, just on talent. Who would you rather on your team, not on personality? I'd probably go for a still stick with AJ, if I'm honest. Just his attributes as a wide receiver for me. Um, I'm only, you know, it's only an edge. I'm not saying, you know, he's, he's streaks ahead. But for me, I like his size, I like the fact that, you know, as AJ's career has progressed, he's learned how to fight for the ball while going up and coming up in the midair. I think his red zone, um, his, his talent in the red zone, he's got, he's got much better and better. Um, I, I would pick AJ Green over um, Antonio Brown. Paul, what would you um, would like to hear your thought as well? That's a really tricky one because I think Antonio Brown is the best receiver in the league because uh, he can kind of do everything. And he put a move in Donard last night and I can't remember when it was, but... With a messed up foot as well. Yeah, he, he did a move, made a move on Denard. It was only a short route, but he did exactly the same to Denard as he did to Leon Hall on fourth down in the 2015 game. You remember it was yeah, fourth yeah, down. Yeah. He absolutely, he's got feet a bit like Ocho Cinco. You know, yeah, he's got those yeah, really yeah. quick feet that he can just make a stunning... I mean, no wonder the guy gets open because yeah. he just runs routes impeccably. He's got amazing hands. He's, he's, he is the best all-round receiver, but, uh, you know, a couple of steps behind is AJ, and he made some amazing catches last night, but interest... So I'm, I can't... You know, I you're love AJ. You're saying Antonio Brown, Paul, be honest. Well, objectively... So you're saying it? I'm not going to say you it. You are saying it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it. You've got to commit to it, Paul. I'm not going to commit to it. I'm the host. I'm not allowed to <laughs> have opinions. You've got to be impartial. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, I would still go AJ because he's my boy. Oh, come on. I yeah. said talent, not personality. All right, I'll go... Um, <laughs> no, not even... I mean, pers- I mean, Antonio Brown is, let's face it, a dick. And some of the comments he came out <laughs> with last night... <laughs> Paul's were... out doing me on the words tonight. <laughs> I know, right? Um but, you know, some of the comments about Perfect and Karma were just outrageous, you know, and we'll get on to that. Don't worry, Mike. Hold on. Deep breath. It's Calm right. yourself down, Mike, over there, right? Um, but, yeah, we. I mean, it's a really tough call. I mean, you throw in Julio Jones in there as well, who's, I think, they're the top three receivers in the league by some distance, actually. There's a lot of good receivers in the league, but I, I would say they're... Because the, I don't, for all his tricks and circus tricks and amazing catches i don't think odo beckham's as as good as those guys that's my personal opinion i don't know what i'm basing that on but that's my personal opinion <laughs> paul sat here with his second beard down already so he's, he's, he's uh dodgy opinions are only going to get worse as this I'm podcast on my goes long on run up no one's going to stop me tonight um but but yeah i mean aj there was some interesting questions aj made some crucial drops mm. especially on that last drive when they had to punt it away. I know, was it the last drive or whatever? In Deep in that fourth quarter when everything was, the wheels were coming off a little bit. Um, and there were some questions, again, does AJ show for the big games? And thing is with AJ Green is he, he caught that ball on that dodgy holding call. He turns two defenders, he runs into the end zone for his third touchdown He'd have had about 160, you know, a buck 60 on the day. That's it. The game's over. He, he didn't, I mean, he, you know, he, yeah, he's got to make that catch. It's in slow motion. It looked like one that I'd catch. But, you know, ultimately, we did enough to win that game. That holding call was 
dreadful. But then, you know, that kickoff return Pittsburgh had, you know, sometimes it's six or one half a dozen of the other. That that was a bit ropey. That had to put them straight back on the board. So I guess you never know. But let's get on to talking about the negative. Paul, obviously that more or less puts the knife in the heart of our season. It's a very difficult loss to take. It reminded me a lot of the playoff game. It was that bloody, violent, very, you know, almost at the end you just felt like even though it hadn't been decided, it had been decided. What, what, do, you, what do you think is the reason for that and what are you angry about? Weirdly, I'm not as angry as I am after that 2015. Uh, there was a sense of almost inevitability in that second half. I thought... Obviously, we played almost a flawless first half. Yeah. Almost, apart from, as you said, that last 30 seconds. Yeah. And then third quarter, I thought we went toe-to-toe with them. We weren't, you know, they were getting back in this game, but you've got to expect that. They're a very good team, and they're going to come back at you with everything they've got. Yeah. Um. So by the, what were, what were at the start of the fourth quarter, 2010 up or something like that? We were 2010 up in the fourth, yeah. But again, it was, it was just this mental toughness or lack of mental toughness that um, we seem to suffer from. I'm going to ask our special guest about this in a little while, so we'll come back to that. Marvin Lewis himself's coming That's on as a right. special I'm guest. We take, might as well announce it now. We're going to take Marvin to task. and <laughs> um, No, we're not. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's an element of mental toughness, and whether that's systemic or you know coach-based or player-based, um, there's a sense of coaching full stop, do we react to the adjustments made? I remember one press conference saying, Marvin saying that he doesn't believe in the concept of um, adjustments, which staggered pretty much everyone. And we, But as I say, if you take the Steelers game with all the emotion and the rivalry, it's easy to, to view that in isolation. But this this whole second half thing, this stalling in the second half has happened... You know, you look at the Green Bay game, for instance. You look at Tennessee. You, I mean, we were up in that game, and really we should have won that, even though we probably didn't deserve to. But certainly Green Bay, I think, again, almost a flawless first half. And then com- the wheels com- came completely off. In first the Steelers half. game, we were in it. Absolutely. And then we blew that up. So the question has to be, why do we um, collapse in the second half? Is that coaching? I tend to think it is a little bit because these mistakes are repeated year after year after year. The pass rush couldn't get through. Maybe they were in prevent defense. You know, um, that's fine. But as you said earlier, we don't go for the kill. We're a very conservative football team. Um, So it's it's difficult to explain why. But for me, there was just a a crushing sense of inevitability. It's like, right, Steelers going to come back. And they're probably going to win. They yeah. probably are. Oh, look, they're doing it. Oh, look, they've won. It's like, oh, well, I wasn't that angry about it. Weirdly. It almost felt to me a bit like you're playing your brother at tennis over the park, your little brother. And, you know, it's one of those games where, you know, you let him into it. You let him have a laugh. He's 4-2 up. He's 5-2 up. He's going to take the set. And you think to yourself, actually, you know, fuck this. I'm going to win it. Like you just like you've been sort of playing within yourself the old game and you yeah. think I'm going to turn it on now. And Ben Roethlisberger at the end there just turned it on. He relished it. 
he could bring them back. He, he knew he could do it. He was so sharp. Every th- even if it got to third and five, he dropped back. He had all the time in the world. He'd drop around. You were talking about Antonio Brown's footworks. He'd make a cut. He'd find him. They'd get nine. They'd get ten. They'd get seven. They'd get eight. And they just walked all over us. We didn't get close to sacking him in the fourth quarter, I don't think. It, it just felt so inevitable. Like you said, it was untrue. And I think it was crushing because... When we were that far ahead, I'm thinking, we're 500 if we win this. And you're right in there. The last four games aren't that difficult. Minnesota, yeah, they're a good team, but they're not, you know, their record flatters them, I think, on ability. Um, and then you look at the other games, the Lions are winnable, the Ravens are winnable, and the Bears are certainly winnable. So, you you know, you only win three, you go three and one there, you're nine and seven, you're in the mix. And I, you know, we were there, we had it, it was 17 nil up. It's just unbelievable to throw that away. Unbelievable. Okay, Mike, throwing it open to you. Where? Why? How? Tell me. Uh, to be honest, it's I hate to say it again, but it's it's preaching to the choir again. Changes in the game. Where are they, Marvin? You're a head coach of an NFL franchise. It's one of the the top gigs. One of the thirty-two gigs in the world. And you blow it. You blow it. You've blown it this year. You've blown it every single year. You'll be in the playoffs. But what is what is going on? Nothing radiates. There's no no resilience. No 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 clear analysis. No reflection of being self-critical about the way we're playing emanates from the coach. Yeah, no, I know. After, it... after the game, it's always, you know, oh, he, he won't, he won't address the media directly. He won't he? Won't give a straight answer. It's always, it, it, I tend to get the feeling that he's not very good at, at taking the criticism. But by God, this season, he's, he's very good at, 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 at dishing it out. Yeah, no, I know, it's... I'm, go on. Sorry, I, I, I love Marvin, and I'm, you know, considering where this franchise was 15 years ago. You know, and, and you know what what he's done with this what he's done done with this franchise is is nothing short of nothing short of a, of a miracle. But I just think fifteen years in the same job, I don't think I just don't think he's got the fight for it anymore. I don't think he, he necessarily he's going to take on board at this point any any further criticism. It's it's either it's his way or or you're wrong, and that's what I think was the problem with last night. We put ourselves in a great great position. The Steelers, I thought, you know, came into Cincy thinking they were just going to walk all over us. They, they were, they, as Nathan said, they were bigger brother. They thought, you know, that they were just going to turn up and win. And if I'm honest, if I'm a Steelers fan, we won the game last night, but I wouldn't be exactly proud of the way my team played. I wouldn't be going in, I wouldn't go hopping into work and being, um, and being, being screaming on the man. I'd have been thought, I'd have thought to myself, oh, good God, we, we got away with one there. Yeah, you know, but you beat, you beat. Really, show, really showed us up there. You but beat. we don't take that heart, do we? We just don't use this to, to use that, put ourselves in a great position to propel us to, to victory. And come the second half, you know, you know what's going to happen. You know the Steelers are going to come back. It's been written time and time again. Everyone, uh, stop me if you've heard this one before, but we don't seem to learn. And I think Marvin, you, you've got to, you, Marvin's got to take responsibility for that, or, or otherwise it is we are going to have to look for someone else who will. I think the thing is, you. <clears throat> I disagree with you on the point about if you're a Steelers fan, you go and you wouldn't be that happy. 
you've played a division rival on the road, you've gone down, you've had the fight and the ability to come back, you get yourself to 10-2, and two, you get out. It's a, it's a confident win. It's a sign of a good team that you can go behind like that and you have the mental toughness on the road against a divisional rival and you just bullied them and you beat them. I, I'd be happy with that. If we could do that to another team, go down like that, show some fight and resilience, beat them up and win it, I'd be more than happy with that. And let's face it, I mean, it was a... Well, it was infuriating. Well, of course, it was infuriating. Uh, it was a good game. Lots of great players on show playing well. And we played well for certainly for a half. We played okay in the third quarter. Not so great in the um, in the fourth quarter. But I mean, it was a. I mean, it had everything, didn't it? Great offensive play, great defensive play, sacks, <clears throat> interceptions, great catches, great runs. And also some really vicious kind of hits as well. Uh, and yes, I'm talking to you, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. And the breaking news while we're recording this is that Smith-Schuster, who's always on my already on my shit list for him taking the the piss out of AJ Green and his kind of ejection uh, with one of his celebrations, um, Schuster Smith-Schuster, and who sounds like a, some sort of weird dodgy kind of painting and decorator firm. John, in... John Gruden couldn't get that name. You no. should, and like, he, he must have said it wrong about six times. You think his producer would have got in the buzzer and said, John, it's Juju Smith-Schuster. And he's like, ah, Juju Schuster-Smith. Like, he didn't <laughs> he have a clue. Have a clue was. Um, so yeah, Smith-Schuster and, and George Iloka for his hit on Antonio Brown, his helmet-to-helmet hit has been suspended for one game each. So, I mean... I think me and you and Mike might get a game for the Bengals on Sunday with all the injuries <laughs> and all the suspensions. But anyway, we mentioned earlier that we have a very special guest and uh, I wasn't lying. It's uh, NFL director of SB Nation. You may know from the excellent Cincy Jungle website. It's Rebecca Toback. Rebecca, are you there? I am here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You're for our first ever guest on. We've got a new name for the podcast. Um it's called Cincy Natta. What do you think about Ooh, that? I like it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, so welcome to Cincy Natta. Uh, you are our first ever special guest. Um, uh, you must be feeling very privileged, I must say. Um, <laughs> it's a great honour, this, Rebecca. It's a great honour. <laughs> yes, I am taking it as an honour, especially on uh, this day with a lot of Bengals news and drama to talk about. Okay, let, let's try and skip through them real quick. Well, so where are you based, by the way? You're not in Cincinnati, are you? You're in New York, is that right? Yes, I am in okay, New York City. Right. Okay, well, it's nice to be talking to you in New York City while we're in London. How we're in Paul's, uh, some dodgy sewing room flat in London in a small little house. So New York yeah. certainly <laughs> sounds more appealing to us. Yes. Um, but imagine it in your mind, Nathan, the the beautiful London vistas and uh, everything else. The but London anyway. buses, the yeah, phone the... boxes, <laughs> the pie and mash. That's what you've got to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Rebecca, we, we've tried to discuss why the Bengals seem to stall and collapse in the second half we've talked about mental toughness and whether yeah. that is a coachable thing whether that is an intrinsic thing whether that's a systemic thing um what have you got any theories on on this kind of weird second half malaise that takes over the the team yeah i think it's a few things um one of them i do think that it has a lot to do with the coaching when some of it is on just like 
the coordinators and the play calls, like they come out in the first half, they have their plays designed, they know exactly what they want to do and they execute it well. And then when they get to the second half, they've run out of plays and can't, you know, go on the fly and figure out how to adapt. And also, I mean, Marvin Lewis has openly admitted that he doesn't believe in second half adjustments, which is just like mind boggling for him to admit this. And I've even seen some Bengals media members like agree with him on this which is just like beyond frustrating because I don't think there's another football head coach in the NFL who would agree that there's no such thing as second half adjustment so you go into the locker room you have your 15 to 20 minutes in there and you figure out okay here are the different things we need to do for the rest of the game and when the Bengals come out they just go with what their plan was in the first half and don't adapt to what they saw from their opposition so the Steelers went into their locker room after the first half and they figured out here's what we're going to do we're going to run the ball the Bengals run defense is terrible and then you know Le'Veon Bell just took off in the whole second half and ran the ball non-stop down the Bengals throat so they adjusted the Bengals didn't and I think a lot of it is the mental toughness uh, and that is coachable to me like you have to be able to play to the whistle and we saw last night that the Bengals didn't play to the whistle when Jordan Evans and William Jackson both just stopped and allowed Bell to run in for a touchdown which was just one of the strangest things I think I've ever seen during a Bengals game and Jackson said that he didn't want to get a penalty and that he didn't want to get like a late hit that he thought that Bell was out of bounds but I mean you have to be more aware than that and you have to have coaches who can prepare you to be more aware than that. Yeah, it's very interesting. You mentioned about the adjustments. I remember when Marvin came out with that real humdinger of a phrase you know of a sentence in that press conference and pretty much the week after bill bill belichick came out and he's rubbish obviously he doesn't win any games whatsoever um (laughs) he he came out and kind of said yeah we made adjustments it's you know second half is really important that we make adjustments it's kind of like you've just made our coach look a little bit silly there and i think that's that's something that's you know we, we all love marvin here he's quite popular within the british fan base because of the person that he is. Um, but these kind of repeated mistakes have seemed to happen year after year after year. And this is the biggest thing that I think that gets repeated. This mental weakness, if you like, certainly at the end of halves, at the end of games, in the second half spe- specifically. Yeah. And also, you know, I always go back to that San Diego playoff games where, where we beat them earlier on in the year. It was like, you know, yeah. what, five years ago or something like that. Um, and we were nailed on to win that game at home. The Chargers are a, a, a nuggety, gritty team with obviously Rivers is a great quarterback. And they came out after that game and said we knew exactly what we, they were going to do. And sure enough, they did it exactly the same as they did in the game in preseason. Yeah. We just seemed to be incapable of adjusting. And not only that, we were saying earlier that um, we're playing the Steelers, whether you love them or loathe them, or you know, most people loathe them in Bengal fandom. Um, they're gonna, they're a very good football team, and they're gonna come out and you know, seventeen three down at halftime. They're gonna come out and throw the kitchen sink at us and get yeah. back to what they're good at. So why aren't we adjusting to their adjustments, if you see what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I think on top of that, there is, you know, kind of like 
The Steelers, to me, it seemed like they were playing for Shazier after he was hurt. So, like, they wanted to win for him. They said that after the game on social media. All the Steelers players were saying, this one's for you and tweeting at him. And it's just like, where was that from the Bengals? Like, where was that kind of emotion and, like, you know, playing to win for your teammates, playing to win because this is a situation where everyone thinks you're going to lose. I just feel like they're missing, like, the the real emotional triumph of like getting these wins um when clearly in the first half we saw that they were capable of playing to the Steelers level above the Steelers level and then everything just fell apart and they scored three points in the second half which you're not going to win a game when you score three points in the second half and that's been just a continual thing. I saw something earlier today that in the Bengals' 50-year history, the team has lost six games when winning by 14 at the half, and two of those games have been this year. So 50 years, and you have two six, one third of those those situations happen this year. Like clearly, something isn't clicking. Mm. Rebecca, one thing that I think really frustrated me last night was that. You see how the Bengals, you know, they have that talent there and they can, you know, when they want to, can perform at the level they yeah. performed at for the first two quarters. And I think if you look at the talent on that team, on offense, especially on defense, with, you know, you've got Geno Atkins, Dunlap, William Jackson looks very good, Vontez Burfix, a pro bowler when he's healthy. It makes me look at that and think, why are we in this position? Because there's enough talent, if coached correctly, to at least be a 500 team, probably better than that. And you look what Mike Zimmer's doing with the talent that he's got, with Case Keenum leading them. And I think they're 10 and 2. And yeah. you do see sparks of it from the Bengals. And we're talking about those second half adjustments and how they don't happen and how the mentality's not right. And we don't have that killer instinct. And to me last night, it annoyed me more than anything to see what we have the potential to do. And if we turned up every week and played even halfway near that, we would be a much better, you know, we'd certainly be 500 or better. And I'm asking you, why can't we get the talent at that? Why can't we produce that every week, not just for two quarters? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of really interesting examples of exactly this scenario around the NFL right now. Like, for example, the Chiefs, they started so hot. They beat the Patriots. They got all this confidence. I think that, honestly, beating the Patriots just does give you a lot of confidence. And when you're playing with confidence, you're going to play better. And I feel like that's what the Bengals had in the first half. They had so much confidence that they were going to play well. And then, for example, for the Chiefs, they start losing to horrible teams like the Giants, and then they just go on this losing streak because they've lost all their confidence. The coaches aren't confident. The players aren't confident. And they just have fallen apart. And then the opposite can be said right now of the Chargers, who started off pretty horribly, lost to a bunch of not great teams, and now we're starting to get hot, have won a bunch of games in a row, and are gaining the confidence. So it's like nothing has really changed. They haven't fired any coaches. They haven't hired any coaches. All the same players are still there. So it's not like it's a player or a talent thing. It's really the mental elements, the coaching, and putting it all together in the film room. So whether the Bengals aren't doing you know well in the film room maybe that's a representation of the coaches not being able to communicate well to them I know that um, earlier in the year a bunch of the Bengals players like Tyler Boyd for example had said that 
um, Ken Zampezi wasn't working out because he was overcomplicating things for them and that they had too much to be told and too much to work on that when they got on the field, it was just too much to think about and he, he wasn't playing well as a result. So I think that it's like the little things like that that aren't based on talent. It's just based on execution and putting it all together are the problems. And it's like this group of Bengals is essentially the same group from 2015. Small changes, but all the guys who were the MVP players on the team, who the seven Pro Bowl players they had, only one of those seven Pro Bowl players is gone. So like, it's not like, yes, Andrew Earth is gone. That's a huge blow to the team. But there's still all these guys who are part of a really good 12-4 and four team. Mm, that's a great so point. Yeah, I think that point. it's really a huge part of it is mental and coaching. And that that is why I think that after this year, the Bengals have to find a new coach because it's just like 15 years is maybe too much run out of ideas, <laughs> run out of ways to communicate things, forgetting the things you did back in the day that mm-hmm. worked. Like even there was something on NFL Network earlier this year that was Marvin Lewis um, yelling at Ocho Cinco in a training camp practice. And I was just like, oh, my God, this would never happen in 2017. He doesn't speak like this. He's not animated. He's not emotional enough. Like, that's all gone. So I think that those are, like, some of the things that really are causing this team to be far below its potential. Well, you've answered my next question. A lot of people want to know what's going to happen next. Who do we want as a coach next? Who Do we carry on with Dalton? I mean, these are subjects that we're going to talk about maybe after the season because... But in a sentence, do you, well, in a word or in a sentence, actually, um, do you think, you kind of answered it, but let's have confirmation. Rebecca Toback says, <laughs> <laughs> to put you on the spot, um, is Marvin going to be there in 2018 as our head coach? I really hope not. I mean, I know from from Twitter alone, I know that all of you UK guys are very into him. We and love Marvin. Like, as, a person, my- as a person, as a person. As a person, you know what we like. You've accused us of being too nice in the past, but we like we like to see the personality behind the the kind of status. And you know, I do think Marvin's a really great guy, but I think yeah, the majority I think he's a great guy too. Yeah, yeah, I do. I just don't think that he's the guy to coach this team any longer. And I think I th- he's a great guy. Maybe if he wants to go work in the front office, he can do that. That's fine, but I think that they need a real culture change, a mentality change, new ideas, and it's just they cannot continue under a 16th year with him if they want to win. Because I mean, after last night, fans are furious. Like I, I think most fans cannot take this team under this direction for any longer. I think Marvin Lewis is a bit like in you know British football terms. He's like when your dad runs a Sunday league team and you're his son, <laughs> you're his son, and you want him to succeed, but you're like, he's just not doing a good job. And it's hard to admit that your own dad's not doing a good job running the Sunday league team. That's a bit how it feels with Marvin Lewis running the Bengals. If I'm honest. <laughs> well, on that uh, familial uh, cross. Uh, racial um, <laughs> a bombshell Marvin Lewis is your dad uh, Nathan um, Rebecca thanks so much for joining us um, we'd love to have you on again and uh, you know Merry Christmas to, to you and all the Cincy Jungle and SB Nation staff cheers Rebecca yeah, thank you guys this was great right thank you very much to Rebecca Toback and now Mike's back in the room and Nathan's back in the room everyone's happy but are they happy um Anything more to say about the pit? I mean, we spent a lot of time on this. Um, Do we go into the officiating? Because I think if we do, 
we're opening uh, an enormous can of worms. Let's leave it. It's too, you know, it's a difficult game. They do a difficult job. I think John Gruden made a great point last night on the pass interference where he said, you know, he said that point about if the camera angles slow it down, everything's going to be given. They gave too many penalties last night, but they, they both went either way. We were saved a touchdown on the, you know, the, the kick return. I think we just got to move on. You've got to move on. It's a heartbreaking loss and we've got to move on. I'll just say, if... I mean, that that call on Gio, if we'd have scored that touchdown, we, we probably would have won that game, yeah. right? Oh, Mike, 100%. Mike, what's the last word from you on that Pittsburgh um, game? The last word is it's not the first time that the Steelers have benefited from some dodgy officiating. And it won't be the last either. Well, let's leave it there before someone libels us. Um, <laughs> I know there's a lot of conspiracy <laughs> theories knocking about. Can, uh, I just, can I just butt in a bit there, quickly? Mate, the facts are all there. Okay. Can, I, can I just butt in quickly? Like this, this podcast, we've edited it a little bit, so it's gone, you know, it's been going on for longer than it seems. And if the quality of it goes down, that is because Paul has stacked up three massive beers next to him here. And well, I hope he's making sense at this point because, he, he, for me, he's struggling a bit. <laughs> well, Simon Hunter, our old dear friend, dear Simon Hunter, um, uh, I'm not drunk by the way, um, dear Simon said, what beers will you be drinking during the show? And I can say what beers we have drunk during the show. Paul, you start us off, what are you drinking? I've got, I've drank three <laughs> Vocation Brewery Pride and Joys, which is a very perky American Pale Ale. I might start dancing on the tables in a moment. If you're, honestly, this is. I, I hope you lot are still listening after this. And then uh, I've mixed and matched, and I've got, again, another vocation brewery, Heart and Soul, a session IPA. And they're both very pleasant to the palate, Nathan. <laughs> But, no, Paul, we can't get tequila shots in. What are you doing? It's a podcast, <laughs> not a drinking session. Look, I live in a house. There's a whole kind of tray <laughs> full of spirits in the next room. To so. be honest, the way I'm feeling after that Steelers game, we might have to crack out the tequila in a minute. Um, well, that could end really badly. <laughs> so that's your question, Simon. We've also got another qu- couple of questions, so thanks so much for all the feedback. And do at us on Twitter at whoday underscore UK. A bit of trap win there, excuse me. Um, this is what I mean. <laughs> Honestly, even if you think the podcast is shit, tell us it's shit and we'll change it. No, don't do actually don't do that. No, Just if you think it's that. shit, well, tell them tell us if they think it's don't, shit. Hey, don't well, don't be like Marvin. Take some bloody criticism for a change. <laughs> um so Jamie asked a very good question. Um the Bengals honoured Dennis Rowland in last night's game. Who is your favourite backup player of all time? Dennis Rowland, what That's a name. Right. That is a name that he was knocking about, but Carson Palmer was knocking about, wasn't he? It was, that was back in the sort of 2005 to 2008 stuff. But um, I think for me, I, I, this is it feels rude to call him a backup, but a player that never was, you know, the main guy, but, you know, was a great guy and, you know, you felt he was turning a corner and well, we all miss him in the Bengal fan group. He's Chris Henry for me. And like I said, it feels it feels a real insult to call him a backup, mm. but you know, what a guy! And like to me, he's one of one of my favourites. I'm going to go with Brian Leonard because he was Ooh, one of those classic. I know, right? Brian Leonard's a great shout. I'm going to go with him because he's one of those cult players, isn't he? Because he used to make. Whenever he used to come on the field, he used to make things happen. Do you remember his play third and ten against the Steelers? And he, mm. he made that sort of, he, he went down and he shook and he just lent it over, didn't he, for that win? Absolutely. I always remember that. What about, I mean, I could throw in uh, 
from my era, because I am an old man, uh, Stanford <laughs> Jennings from the 80s, who obviously ran in that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Stanley Wilson, God bless him, because, well, he's still alive, but I'm just saying he was, he was a really, I'm not announcing his death uh, on air. Um, that's, that, that's that IPA talking, bloody hell. <laughs> um, we had some really good backup running backs in the 80s. Stanley Wilson was mega talented, but obviously the wheels came off. Um <laughs> And Stanford Jennings, who ran in that uh, kick yeah, return in the Super Bowl, and I'm going to go a bit further back because I am um, uh, well, I'm a twat, really. Um, I'm going to go <laughs> Sam Weish as backup QB for Greg Cook. How about that? Oh, bloody How'd you like hell, them apples, we go. Mike? What about you? Um, I'll, I'll cheat and say Tyler Croft. He's uh... done great, brilliantly since he's come in. Um, but the the, the the correct answer is John Kitner because if you forget, he actually did win an award for uh, Comeback Player of the Year. He did. That's good a good chat. That's good a good chat. No one's actually mentioned Rex Burkhead yet. Yeah, but he, he wasn't when he when he when he played for us, old Burkhead. He didn't. They didn't let him do enough, did they? And you look at that personnel decision now. The geezer's smashing it up in New England, and it it's questionable, isn't it? But um, but before we go any further, this is not a question, but I think it's what a lot of people want to hear about. Right. What do you want to hear about? How's Betsy doing this week, eh? And if you, for those of you who didn't listen last week, we were doing this podcast, and before we go live, every time before we go live, Paul lectures us like a father. You can't swear, you can't do this, you can't do that, speak into the mic. While we're sat here, he's telling me how to point the mic, all this bollocks. And like, we're sat here talking, having a nice chat, and Jamie's having a chat, and he has the audacity to scroll over on his screen and start responding to OK Cupid messages from Betsy. And I'm sorry, but if he's going to do that, he's going to face the music. How is Betsy this week? All right? She getting all right? She have getting you... all right? <laughs> what the hell does that I mean? Don't know. Have you met her? How's it going? Well, I think that that's that's your version, right? Oh. Right. <laughs> Now, this is my version, okay. Oh, here we go. So, I email, I had my laptop open last week, as I have done this week, and I've learnt my lesson. My emails are not not seen by Nathan and not open. So, basically, I'd email my, emailed myself this amazing stat about Andy Dalton, right? And I thought, I'm going to, like, you drop this in, I'm going to be cool, I'm going to sound really great. Um, consequently, I had my emails open, and we're here chatting... We and then Nathan's, and I get an email. Yes, I am on OKCupid. Okay if <laughs> any ladies watching, Paul is on OKCupid. Okay <laughs> Listen, I don't want to be the next Chris Westling, all right? They always talk about his dating <laughs> on the air, but I don't want to be that. But full disclosure, I am um, I'm available <laughs> and looking. <laughs> Please tweet us if you know anyone that might be interested in Paul, because from the way he's talking about it, Betsy hasn't responded to his message. Well, actually, she has. Whoa. And we're meeting. And it was pure because filth. can I drop this? No, oh, you dirty, <laughs> dirty pilchard. Um, basically, we've all got arranged to meet. I feel really bad talking about this because I've either kiboshed it or jinxed it. I thought, you know, this is like a private thing, right? Uh, or is it? It's not now, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> How many um, people on the internet, mate? How many? It's yeah, not, it's not well, we've arranged to meet in the week before Christmas. That's our first meet. We're in the talking to each other stage. We will update you on how that date goes. And I will make you a promise. Yeah. Yep. If we're seeing each other still in six months' time... <laughs> so you're going to bring her on a podcast? I'm going to bring her on the podcast. <laughs> and then that's probably my relationship with her over. But, um, <laughs> oh, um, dear. 
Now, on then, that note, uh, a quick, a quick few other things uh, in a sentence, lads. Uh, Matthew, our old chum, Matthew Catterall, has asked, "What do we think about Tyler Eifert and his future with the Bengals?" Mike, what are you saying in a sentence? He, he is done. That's it. That's it. Okay, uh, that was done. succinct. That's what I like. Um, it's a great question. He's done, but it's a real shame. Because he's a, such a talented player, decent guy, but just a real shame. Like Mike sums it up. He, he, I, I, if I was any team looking to take a chance on him, I'd be very, very sceptical. And it will really hurt his value. I think there's a chance that we sign him. Really? Yeah, and I think we'd sign him. Because we, we show loyalty to people. Or when I say we, Mike Brown shows loyalty to people. Mm. I think there's a chance that he resigns. I think actually looking at it, you know, very harshly, uh, cynically, objectively, the fact that he's been injured so long does affect his market value. Oh, massively. Um, I think we sign him on a good deal if we sign him. But I wouldn't be surprised if he takes him, you know, he tests the market. He's going to have to be signed on some sort of like pay-as-you-play incentive deal as well. There's no way you're offering him guaranteed money. And I don't think any team's going to be offering him that. No. Now, uh, a lot of people, when I put this out on Twitter earlier on in the evening and kind of asked our followers on Facebook and Twitter, actually, um, what questions? I mean, the majority of people wanted to... Know our opinions about Marvin, about Dalton, where we go on here. Do we draft another QB? Do we trade Drake? You know, do we trade our assets and move upwards? I just feel that that is a whole episode in itself. So I think what we're going to do, I am actually going to Cincinnati on Friday. Just thought I'd drop that one in there. So we're not going to have an episode next week. Hang on a minute, are we not? No, 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 no. I don't trust you guys. I don't trust <laughs> him sat next to me. Um, I've been in the same room on my own. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm worried about. Let's do a splinter podcast. If you are in the sewing room at home, could you do us up a nice little kind of onesie? Nice little, pins, like a nice little pinstripe suit for you. <laughs> so we're going to uh, do a Christmas episode either on Tuesday the 19th uh, or on Wednesday the 20th. Uh, we're hoping to have another special guest. Um, and I think the week after Christmas, when the season finishes, we'll do a bit of a season review. Yeah. And we'll talk about who we want, whether we want Marvin to stay. Like, Come on, guys. Well, no, we'll be talking about the playoff game against the well, Chiefs. Well, there is. A, there is still... I think there's. I think I read somewhere that there's a 4% chance of... Now, obviously, I think Baltimore are getting because their their running is, you know, as NFL uh, runnings go, it's super. They do, but after that, you know, you're looking Colts and yeah, people like that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna uh, chat about that. I think after the season, because it, I think, guys, it's gonna be a whole episode's worth of chat. That is a big, meaty subject, and I don't think we can do it justice, especially, I mean, we've waffled on too much now. But yeah, um, yeah. Um, One more thing. Oh, I've got to just shout out to, this is all about uh, the fans, so again, get in touch with us at whoday underscore UK on Twitter or the Bengals UK uh, group on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Give us some questions. Send us your thoughts. Um, I've got to do a shout out to Paul Croft who st- stayed up 
uh, to watch the game and then went to work for an eight-hour shift today. And I think that probably... So did I. I think... No, Shout you out to me you as had well. the day off. I did have the day oh, off. Did I went in and did an oh, eight-hour okay. shift and I had a nap on me an hour. Sorry, well, Paul Croft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say, I think Paul, that, that, that kind of represents the... The, the level of fandom in this country for the that, Bengals, people will, uh, you know, us fans will stay up. And, that's and the last thought for me, and I think that's the difference between the US and the UK fans. The, any UK fan, Paul, you included, you know, all of us, if you were willing to get out in the middle of the night at one thirty in the morning, sit there for three and a half hours, and that's the thing as well, taking a tough loss after three and a half hours. Mm. You win after three and a half hours, you go to bed, you feel good about it. Losing after three and a half hours in the middle of the night really hurts. Um, one more thing. I, I'm i into the Ashes at the moment. Uh, American Views, that's kind of a cricket series. It's a bit like baseball, but people are yeah, a, bit, a bit more boring. Um, or less boring, depending on where you're coming from. Um, so England play Australia in a kind of, what, every two years, home and away. And obviously the, the, the rivalry between Australia and England is pretty intense. I'm bang into it. So I was listening to the radio last night, right? And they had all this kind of ashes build up and whatnot. And then I heard this news bulletin. Uh, check this out. Bradley, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Whitworth was doing that on the side as well. I just love the idea that on his week off, Andrew Whitworth, <laughs> who earns millions in the NFL, obviously we've got to preface this by that's quite a serious subject about housing and council housing and whatnot. But I just love the idea that Andrew Whitworth, he hasn't gone to LA. He comes back to Skipton in, in Yorkshire. Well, you know, so you've and, got, it's a credit crunch on Paul. Well, that's right. You've got to, you've got to do what you've got to do. That's it. Um, Mike, what's, what's your last word? We're going to wrap this up now. So tell us what your last word is. Um, the last word is, uh, guys, it's tough, but keep the faith. Keep on, keep, keep, keep on watching. Keep on getting behind the Bengals. We live in hope. You know, things might get better. You know, think, think you know what things will things will get things will get better. I, I think after this off season, I think we're, we're going to see a great deal of change. But you know, guys, keep the faith and um, yeah, who day. And we've still got what four or five games left, haven't we? Like four, four, games, four games to go. Left, yeah, I think we've just got to try and go three and one. I think if we can go three and one, and we can get ourselves to eight and eight, and typical Marvin sort of eight and eight season, and it, you know, we could maybe go four and zero. I don't think we will. Very tough loss last night, and to me, it really embodied the end of the Marvin Lewis era. It was quite significant. We move on. Um, we see how we go, and apologies to everyone listening for Paul's drunkenness tonight. And if it's offended anyone, then I, I encourage you to tweet us and let us know if it's offended anyone. But good night, all. I love you, Nathan. I love you. <laughs> Do you want a little hug? A little huggy? A little huggy? Cut this off. A a little, little. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.